Hello internet, welcome to another exciting episode of the Transatlantic Podcast, a conversation with two trans people across the pond from each other. My name is Kat, I am a trans woman from the British Isles, and Lux is not. Hi, I'm Lux, I'm transgender, non-binary, transmasculine something or other, and I'm from, I'm from the America mainland. Yeah, complicated mess of um, gender stuff. Yeah, I'm non-binary, we, we it's complicated. <laughs> I just, um, for, the, the, for those who probably don't understand why I'm giggling about it, I did just get delivered like two samosas as like a starter to my dinner in the middle of this. <laughs> we've had some problems setting up the recording and the Discord was being a shit and then I was late and then I was putting the last episode up. That was a lot. <laughs> so uh, this is coincided with me receiving a gift of um, Indian snack food, which I'm very appreciative of. Yes. Uh, um, so this is our Christmas bonanza episode and I'm not sure what, the definition of bonanza is but in this case it means we're going to talk a bit about christmas and then we're going to answer a couple of your questions because we got questions this time i checked the inbox there were three that's more than none (laughs) Um, it's very exciting yeah um so i know i I know a lot of people i've I've talked to a bit worried about going home for christmas because they're closeted or they don't know how the parents are going to react, or they know their parents could be really bad about it, they're not comfortable with family. Um, I was wondering if you, Lux, had any advice for people who are closeted at Christmas, or um, know they're going to have a bit of tension with their family. Well, my cat has some input, clearly. I don't know if you heard okay. him. <laughs> I didn't hear him this time. Oh, surprising. Anyway, um, I'm actually a terrible example of this. Like, I definitely have advice for people, but I am not an example to follow because I I just dropped like a good portion of my family. I just don't care like about my family and or the holidays. Like, I don't know. I, I care about my immediate, my dad and my stepmom and my siblings and that's kind of it. So I just kind of stopped going to Christmas. Although in, I think it was 2015 or maybe it was last year. I can't remember. Regardless, I had been on testosterone for a time and I chose to go to Christmas because I thought that it would be funny for me. <laughs> and it was, it was funny for me. So I think that the, the best way to cope with going home to a family that, you know, may not understand you, like whether you've explained yourself or not, if they're misgendering you on purpose or not, um, or, you know, or if they're just trying and not getting it very well, regardless of what you're going home to, I think that the best way to deal with this is through the lens of humor. So just think about all of the things that you know about sociology and gender and how funny it is to say that your gender is pizza and just just exist in your own trans headspace <laughs> while you are there with your family. If you can, like, have uh, people to text, like, on a slightly more serious note, um, someone you can talk to that's kind of your lifeline or maybe stay on Twitter periodically during this kind of thing uh, can sort of alleviate the pressure if you're if you're feeling, you know, pressured around your family. So your advice is, like, on a scale of, like, if you're serious about it or if you're not, is either use it as your own stand-up routine or have a support network ready. <laughs> I mean, both of those things. Like, either way, like, I get, my overall advice, I guess, is to try not to take things too seriously, which I know is difficult, but, like, if you can in a sort of way, like, suspend your disbelief and, like, pretend that this is... Like, okay, when I'm watching Firefly, for example, uh, I forget that people are Christian in real life. So when I'm watching Firefly, I'm, like, constructing this universe where it's completely normal and, like, natural and makes sense to be Christian, in a way. Like, it exists in an alternate universe. So if you can do this and compartmentalize this with your family and make it, like, this is your... This is, like, a little alternate universe that you get to visit and you're, like, an omni... Omni, omniscient, omnipresent God who just knows a lot more than these people. I don't know. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. I mean, if you can detach yourself that much from it. Yeah. <laughs> I might I have think a the complex. Support network thing is imp- yeah, I think the support network thing is important. I think if you, if you, know, if you don't think your family is going to be there for you, especially if you're planning to come out from this Christmas, it's important to have people you know will be supportive of you so you have people to fall back on and you're not going to feel alone, especially at a time when it's supposed to be all about family and People can insist it's all about family, even when your family is being nasty to you. Family is not just about, like, who you're born with. Like, this is something that I find very important because, like, I guess I don't use the word family as loosely as I would like to think of the concept because, like, my friends are 
my family, like they're my chosen family. And that's, I think, a very helpful way to think about the holidays that, you know, you may be spending time with your blood relatives, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're spending the holidays with the people who are actually family to you. Right. If they don't feel like a family, they don't treat you like a family, then maybe you should need to find your own. Yeah. Make your own family, fam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she called everyone fam. It's going to really help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, coming out, obviously, is always really difficult. Um, maybe Christmas time isn't the best time to do it, just because then no. you've got everyone there and they could guilt trip you in a lot of ways. You're just subjecting but, yourself to a mob of disapproval if you yeah. do this. Yeah, especially, yeah, if, they all, if they're all of, of an attitude, it's very easy to then feel like you're overwhelmed and no one's going to be okay with you, which isn't true. And like yeah. I don't, no, I can't really talk about this because like I'm from quite a liberal country, and my parent, my family are very accepting of me. And like the only problem I sort of have had in the past is like people taking a while to get used to new names and pronouns and stuff, and that's not their fault. And it can be quite, sometimes quite difficult to internalize that and not react when they slip up or something. And like especially if you haven't heard it for a while, if it's been, been away for a few months, I think it's easy to then be like, oh, you don't get me and stuff. But that's not true at all. I think we we also have yeah we we have to be. As much as we need to like look out for ourselves, you also try and be forgiven when people are trying and really trying, not just like pretending to try so that they can guilt trip you into doing something else. Yeah, if you have the required patience, um, it may it may very well be the best option to just try to like realize that people are most of the time not trying to hurt you. Like most of the time, they think that they're doing the right thing, and you know. If you can be patient with people, it's probably better to work with your family and try to come to a place where you can have a relationship. Like, I probably could do this, but I have no desire to put up with the pain in the meantime to get to that point of acceptance. Like, I just don't have the energy to do that. So I don't, and I don't care enough to push me above the threshold of effort. So, you know, but that's just me personally. A lot of other people find it very important, and I do think that for them it can be a worthwhile endeavor. And I don't want to discourage anyone uh, from trying to have a positive time during your fa- during your holidays. And I would suggest not using this as a platform to come out. Like I will, like I would emphatically like to point out that this is a terrible idea, and that you should come out to individuals um, or like one or two people at a time. Don't don't make the holiday all about you. And don't subject yourself to a room full of people asking you questions you would rather not answer. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's important, especially like in where if you are financially dependent on your pet on your parents, you know you have to get along with them, and so keep that in mind. If you know they're going to be awful, try and take care of yourself first and foremost, and so make sure you have like a, a way like to financially support yourself before you um, blow everything around you up even if you know you have to, because you will have to. But don't leave, don't make yourself homeless because they're being awful. Don't let them drive you into poverty. Yes, very important. Yes. Um, and like, let them, and remind them, and remind people, especially if they've got kids, that um, they're teaching to believe in Santa Claus. If they can teach their kids to believe in a magical um, space fairy who goes around the world and delivers <laughs> presents in one night, that, the, that they that they can believe in the gender spectrum and that trans people exist and non-binary people because that's much more rooted in science than anything they're forcing their children to believe. Yeah, don't, let's not even get into Santa Claus. <laughs> I have no, let's problems. Do, let's do it right now. Let's do it a little bit. How do you feel about Santa Claus? Oh, goodness. Um, I My feelings on Santa Claus are a little bit complicated because I feel like I was a child who didn't have a very long childhood before I kind of had to grow up. So there is a part of me that wants to provide an environment for younglings in which they feel like there is, there's a little bit of magic in the world, maybe. Um, but this, this goes very much against my knowledge that uh, lying to your kids is a bad idea. It's not good for trust between the two of you. Although, like, I think that it's entirely possible to navigate this situation without ever telling outright untruths, but I still have a fundamental problem with letting kids believe things that are untrue. Like, if my kid goes to, you know, I don't know, like, great-grandma's house or some shit like that, and comes back telling me things about, like, Jesus, I'm gonna be like, well, first of all, that person no longer has access to my child. That is something that my partner and I have discussed if we ever have a kid. 
Um, but more, more importantly, I'm going to be like, no, that's not a real thing. And I might be like, other people believe this, and you probably shouldn't loudly say that it's not real, but it's not real. And I feel like I would treat Santa similarly. It's, it's so hard for me to, to cope with these feelings. I get that. I think definitely a few years ago, I was def- I'll be all on the board of like, don't lie to your kids. Mm-hmm. I do, but I do think I agree with you. And you see, you don't have to like, they'll pick it up from the culture and they'll believe in it naturally. And I think part of the, maybe something you can do with it as sort of like a, an exercise in skepticism is watching them figure it out and like, let them figure it out that's not real. And then you can actually teach them the important lesson that um, adults do lie and not everyone's perfect, which you probably don't want to teach like a little child because then they don't listen to you. But I think it's an important thing to learn eventually because I think the people that grow up and thinking that their their parents are right about everything, they have they sort of they should unlearn that because it's not true. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point uh, that it could be an exercise in skepticism, and I think that uh, what you're saying is that in a way you're relying on the child's own development and intellect. Where like, I, I suppose it would be right around the age of like six or seven that a kid might be like, wait, like how does Santa do this? And that's the point at which, like, people start to just offer explanations that are, you know, nonsensical. Because, you know, it's like the invisible dragon type thing. And, um, yeah, that's the point at which you could you could be like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, this, this you know, my, my nephew Oliver, this happened with him, where he was like, uh, where did humans come from? And instead of being like, well, they came from evolution, my sister was like, well, what do you think? And then her eight-year-old basically explained evolution. Like, that's how you want to do this. You want to facilitate the conversation at the pace that the child is ready for. Yeah. I don't know. It's complicated. What what do you think? (laughs) I love the invisible dragon. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, what do I think about Santa or just like in general? Well, yeah, like Santa, like about, I don't know, the, I guess the kids related thing, because as a concept, it's obviously, I mean, it's just historical and kind of cute. I mean, I grew up Catholic, and I have no resentment towards the religion. Like, I feel like a lot of my guilt might have come from it, but I'm also a very overly sensitive person, so I can't blame it all on Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you do, obviously, you do end up going to confession, and then going to go in and, like, oh, Father, it's been ten days since I've sinned. I stole a biscuit from my parents' biscuit cupboard, and I'm very guilty. And that's obviously the worst thing you've done at the time, when they make the kids do this and stuff, and then I end up committing myself, uh, committing myself to religion, when I got confirmed when I was 11, and then I stopped believing when I was 17. Um, <laughs> it's just a whole mess of stuff. But I didn't think it ruined me as a person. I do think, like, it's... I think, ideally, if I was going to have kids... I mean, I talked about this with my partner, and we come to a compromise. But I think, generally, I wouldn't even want to teach them, like, oh, God isn't real. I'd sort of want to leave it open. Because I feel like sort of enforcing my beliefs on on them is also kind of unfair. And so just leaving it open and being letting them be agnostic about it for a while, which I guess in a way is sort of also enforcing my own beliefs. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. this reminds me of a, I think there's a bit on Family Guy where there's a household where the father is agnostic and they're like very strictly agnostic. Like this, they're not even allowed to make statements of whether they like something or not. Like, I don't know. It's just, oh, that's so silly. <laughs> just rigidly enforcing agnosticism in your household. Yeah, yeah, I guess I shouldn't do that either. I mean, like, what, I mean, what I'd hope to be is, like, try and be fair and, like, encourage their education and, like, not put them down for thinking too hard because I think that's part of the religion is you can get sort of told off and scolded for um, thinking differently, which isn't great. But, yeah. I mean, you, the part of it is you also have to be sensitive to other people's beliefs, right? So even if you, like, you want to be one of these kid, one of these parents that's like, no, kids, I'm not going to lie to you, sense is not real, sorry. Sorry mm-hmm. for any kids listening. But you don't want to be one of these parents that does that. And then your kid goes around and tells all the other kids that Santa's not real. And they all go home crying. Like you never want to be the one that's causing distress to other children. I think that's a tricky line. Because you're in a society that encourages it. And I think you have to put that into consideration. So I think I don't think I'd want to lie about it. But I don't think I'd want to dispel the notion either. I think I'd want to use it as a sort of lesson in, in like how to think about these things and congratulate them on figuring it out and let them know that they're smart for doing it because I think that's quite encouraging and I think when kids learn they're smart it's very empowering yeah I I think that that's probably the best middle ground to come to in this culture where it's impossible for them to not absorb those things yeah (laughs) Uh. anyway is that all we have for Christmas 
I mean, a little bit. I was going to bring up, uh, I was going to bring it back to Thanksgiving, but I have nothing to to say about Thanksgiving because we don't get to do it. (laughs) Boo. Boo. How dare you get food when we don't get food. Um, Are you, do you do New New Year's resolutions in America or is that just a UK thing? Oh no, it's a huge thing in America. I don't personally do it, but it's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. People are Uh, like, I'm going to exercise now and eat better and stop drinking. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, these are all unrealistic goals, but, <laughs> but you can pick goals, if you can pick goals that are related to trans stuff, if you are coming out, I feel that's a nice encourager. If you get to this point, you set yourself a deadline, you'd be like, right, at this, in January, I'm going to make an effort to start, you know, like getting my name changed or doing something like that. I think that can help motivate you, especially because it's something, because it is something so scary to a lot of people. If you set yourself a deadline on it and like encourage yourself to be brave and you have people behind you, if you've told them that it's your resolution, I think it's going to be easier to encourage you. And I think, especially with people, I met people that like really, really want to move forward, but they're terrified of what will happen when they take those steps. I think sometimes you do just need a little bit of encouragement and maybe it's the right time to do it. Even though I think that generally New Year's resolutions are promises to yourself that you'll break the next day. Like I'm going to go to the gym and then you eat a chocolate cake and then you just cry. <laughs> the cat yeah. agrees with me. Yeah, he does. I don't know what he wants right now. I think he wants on my lap, but this is not happening right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I find New Year's resolutions to be a little bit, I don't know, I suppose hollow for for those similar reasons. Like, I don't know, it doesn't, like, it's not different one day to the next. It's nice as an event boundary in your brain, but it doesn't do a whole lot for you, really. So, like, I quit drinking, like, a month or two ago. and I mean, I have had some, like, alcohol since then, but, like, we're talking, like, two beers in the space of a night. So, like, I quit drinking, and I just quit doing it. So, you know, it's just a thing that you can do anytime, I guess. Like, if you really care, you don't have to wait for, you know, this time. But I would agree with you that uh, if there are any translings out there who have not taken their steps because they're procrastinating that, you know, seize the fucking moment. Who knows when you're not going to be able to even make these changes anymore. So do it while yeah. you can. Especially with stuff you need to do while you're at home and you're only going to be at home at Christmas. Like, get that shit done. Leave. Go back to wherever you're going. <laughs> Let it settle for a bit. Let all the fucking noise die down and then come back maybe a few months later when everyone's calmed down and say, hey, we good? <laughs> we good? For Easter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever your break is. Go and, like, eat some, ch- break some chocolate bunnies. Um eat the blood of christ and the drink the flesh of christ something like that (laughs) something about yeah it's been a while since i went to mass you can probably tell (laughs) so with that said um we want to go on to some emails yes we do apparently (laughs) i'm loving this i'm loving this sponsor it's the only reason that i haven't kicked him out of this room is that i know that cats raise the appeal of these things that's, I mean, that's, that's what you have to do, right? You have to get your viewership up somehow. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Are you going to, are you going to come up here? Are you going to do it? <laughs> no. This is the time we finally get our, we get our third co-host, a cat. He's very opinionated. <laughs> he is. He's got so much to say. Ah. Anyway, before we get on to the actual question ones, I just wanted to read out this email we got from H. Rowan. Um, who says, Hey, love your podcast. I was just listening to, just listening to your Utopia episode, and I thought it was interesting that you talked about hoping for an easing of gender market change requirements because of a California law that just passed. This California law, the Gender Recognition Act, allows people to change their gender marker on the driver's license, they most commonly use gendered ID, and birth certificates, generally use the final arbiter of legal gender, with only a self-affirmation of one's gender, no doctor's letters or court cases. Also, it creates a non-binary gender category that can be used for both documents, in addition to the gen- binary genders. I know this so, so I know this is just one state, but California is home to more than 12% of Americans, so it actually covers a significant proportion of the US population. It may also allow legal challenges to have other states recognize non-binary gender through recognition of other states' birth certificates. Just thought it was cool that your utopian dream has come to a bit of the admittedly less privileged world. Let's hope it's... <laughs> oh no, admittedly very privileged world. Sorry, <laughs> I was like, that was what? completely different. <laughs> Maybe, no, it's, this person is not a Trump supporter. Um, let's hope it spreads. Keep making your rad pod. Hail Rowan. Thank you, Shots Rowan. fired I, at I, the States. I, I, I enjoyed the podcast we described as rad. 
I've, I've come I've come to love the term rad again after it falling out of favor for the last 20 years. I oh, feel yeah, it's finally great. coming back. And I feel like it's time to bring rad back to make America rad again. Yes. Um, it's funny this is called the Gender Recognition Act because this is the one that we're trying to change in the UK is also called by the same name, but we're trying to get it to self-declaration, whereas right now it is court, court drama. And mm. um, the self-declaration stuff is what they've had in Ireland for a long time and it works. So I'm quite happy about this. I'm Obviously, you're an American, you have opinions on this. I didn't actually know about this until today. Uh, so let me look at the source that they provided, which is BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, BuzzFeed doesn't use as well. It's not that's true. full videos. They are a little bit more reputable now. I just, I thought it was a little bit funny as a source. Um, so it looks like this bill is allowing people to identify as non-binary. Um, I, it looks like they're offering an X option, like the, putting an X instead of an M or an F, uh, which is pretty common for these things. Um, do, 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 do. So that's pretty interesting, and and removing the gatekeeping court barriers is definitely good because of the expenses that that incurs frequently. Uh, California is always a lot further ahead on us than this stuff, like... So I guess this is making it to where you don't even have to get a doctor's letter. Because I, I had to get a doctor's letter and then send, like, type up a letter and send it to the Department of Revenue in my state. Wow, the space heater just kicked on. I am sorry. I forgot that was on. That's <laughs> um, right. I got to play food now. Yeah, <laughs> eat the food while I'm talking. My main cost liver. Nom, 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 I'll nom. take a minute. I was about to say that, like, like California is, like, the one place that you'd expect this thing to happen in first, right? But it's, like, hopefully it's going to transfer over. But, like, some California is, like, generally a lot more liberal, so I don't know what the chances of this spreading to places like Texas, even, like, that turning into a blue state. Yeah, so, you know, California sort of led us in, like, marriage uh, for a minute there, and these things do sort of spread, but I don't know if that's just because that's the general trend of the population in this country, that we're trending more liberal. So, you know, these hyper-liberal places, it's not necessarily that they did it first that causes other places to do it but just like i don't know maybe it sort of sets a precedent that allows other places to start doing these things i mean it's hard to tread and trend more conservative in america you've basically hit the wall there yeah no shit <laughs> um, so the, I, I i like this quite a bit uh i i think that there should still be something of a gatekeeping process and by this i just mean like a waiting time of of a short period perhaps um simply because your self-determination of your gender can change over time, as mine has. And, I mean, I think that the safest option in a case like that would be to just change it to an X and leave it as is. But I don't I don't know uh, what exactly the the requirements are going to be for this. But I like I guess it. In most case, I guess in most cases, when you get to the point where you're changing your ID... Um, you got an idea that's going to be like that for a while, hopefully. And if not, mm. if it's this easy to change it, it shouldn't be that much of an effort to change it to a different one, hopefully. Yeah, and it's still going to cost money to get your ID replaced, so there's always going to be some some roadblocks in place. There are barriers just in the way that bureaucracy works without adding like so many barriers on top. Right, yeah, that's true. So it's it's basically like you already have to go through the bureaucratic process. You might as well not have to... You, I mean, in a way, you kind of have to medically transition. I mean, it sort of depends on who you see. But if I hadn't been on hormones, I wouldn't have had that to predicate my legal gender change on. You know what I mean? So this definitely does away with that difficulty for people who can't transition medically for whatever reason or who choose not to. So, yeah, I guess all, all in all, I worry for, I guess young people who might not know exactly what they are going to shake out in the long term. But if you have a, a simple process to amend, then you could amend it later if you needed to, and it wouldn't be an issue. Then then I have no worries about this. Mm. I guess it's the question, right? How many cases are there like yours where it's going to be adjusting later on? Like, is they, like, how common are you as an example case? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, to be fair, I never, I never strongly identified as male. Like, there was perhaps a period of a couple of months where I identified as a trans man before coming to the realization that genderqueer was more appropriate for me. But 
I changed my legal gender to male for the sake of matching my appearance, because non-binary is not an option where I live, and I don't necessarily think I'm going to be safer for not having a gender marker on my passport that is conventional. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole point of getting it was, like, maybe I will need to travel if I become unsafe, but I don't know, I, I thought about this recently and it occurred to me that... Uh, any place that I would be traveling to from the United States, if I'm leaving the United States because it is unsafe, is likely to be fine with me having a gender-neutral marker on it because I would have to clearly travel to somewhere that is more safe and not less safe. Oh, well, you cut off off a lot of the world doing that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you you are white, so you don't have to suffer suffer the, the unfortunate ramifications of that. This is true. I have white privilege. You do. We all, we do. Some of the ones of us who are white do. But I'm, okay, like, not employable, so... Employable, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move on to the shorter one, other one, before we go into the longer one, I suppose. Sure. Um, Alain Barreto says, Hey, Cat Lux, I love your podcast, and it's been part of my nightly ritual for a few weeks now. Don't listen to us really? every night. You'll get a voice in your head, and you'll dream about us. And I don't think you want to do that. We're not that. We're not that great people that you want us in your head all the time. Um, <laughs> I live in the United States, and I'm currently just starting my gen- transition process. Also, I'm the type of person that likes to have things pre-planned. In this case, I'm re- referring to the legal processes involved in transitioning. I name and gender marker changes on ID cards, licenses, degrees from university, etc. I want to know what's the best way to go about it. Is there any particular order or any nationalized organizations we could get free legal advice? I guess that one's for me, because I am the U.S.-ian. It is a U.S. question. I can yes. put the U.K. spin on this afterwards, but it's less relevant. Okay. So, to answer your question, dear friend, um, I I have a couple of uh, things in a doc for you, Kat, to put in the show notes. Um, one of them is a hashtag, which I used to get some legal advice on Twitter, which is has- hashtag translawhelp. I would hope that this is still fairly active. I didn't actually check Twitter. It was more active during the 2016 election cycle. But um, if you if you want like some brief free advice, that is a way that you can talk to an actual human being if you would like to. However, uh, Lambda Legal has a really great resource page, which is, uh, we'll have the link in the show notes, that it shows you basically like, here's all the different states' guidelines for birth certificates. Here's a resource guide for... Uh, getting your driver's license updated. So that's a great resource for you to tap into because you didn't include what state you live in and that really, really, really changes uh, how you do this or what you can even change. Like, I can't amend the gender marker on my birth certificate. I can amend my name, but not my gender marker because my state doesn't allow for that. So Lambda Legal will be able to help you out the best. I would suggest getting your ID changed first if you can. like, if you get your name changed legally, that would be a good place to start, and then getting your doctor to sign off on the new gender marker so that your ID that you carry with you has the correct name and gender marker on it. Um, that way you can start filling out your medical stuff as the correct gender, and, you know, anytime you get stopped by police or, you know, if you have to give your ID to someone to prove your age, you won't have to worry about this. Um, so my suggestion is to get your ID first, if you can. Uh, you know, and then birth certificate amended later so that you can then get a passport, which I recommend doing. Passports are good. They help you get out. Exactly. <laughs> um, for the for the UK, um, generally what you want to do first is change your name, which you can do by going to freedepoll.org.uk and you can put in your new title and name. And these, these two things are both important. Um, get two people to sign it. Doesn't matter who they, who they are. And from that, you can change your um, driver's license, your provisional or full driver's license, which is a valid form of ID. If you want to change your passport, you need also need a, um, a letter from a medical professional, which you'll need from a gender clinic or somewhere similar. Um, I think I know people at Liverpool have specific like LGBT clinics that will do it. Um, otherwise, you have to wait with the NHS. Very sorry about that. Hopefully, most GPs at this point will know enough about trans things that they, they'll be happy to happily write with you one, but it's, it was rare when I did it. Um, from there, you can you can usually use the, the deed pile to change most things. Certain places do want the medical letter, so that's mainly for passport. And then if you want to change your birth certificate, you need a gender recognition certificate. But don't get that yet, because we're going to change that law, hopefully. Don't get it yet. If it comes, comes to the worst, then I'll let you know, I don't know on this podcast if we still have to get those. 
very informative. And I don't know many national organizations that we can get free legal advice. There's, there's certain places like Mermaids if you're a trans youth, that's really good for that sort of thing. Um, there are local LGBT organizations in a lot of cities that can help with this stuff. Um, trans Health is still going, I think. Um, it's a private private care trans place. You can email them probably to get some free advice. Um, Dr. Jane Webley, I believe, is still allowed to practice in the UK and she might be able to help you with this. Um, but there are, there, are, there are many LGBT organizations you can go to. Um, look them up, ask people on Reddit, maybe. Um, they seem to know, but they actually don't ask on Reddit because they always just like, oh, go to Transgender UK, which doesn't have any answers on. But there are, there are answers on the internet and there will be people that can help. Um, otherwise, uh, 3D poll, and when you come to stumbling at stumbling blocks, go to the NHS, I would say. Woohoo. And that covers that pretty much. Um, so now we come to the, the big one. The, the bonanza in the Christmas bonanza. The, um, the several questions, some of which could Are possibly doozies. be problematic. <laughs> yep. Okay, cool. Right, here we go from... Do you want me to Jude. read this one or do you want to do it? Yes, you can read this one if you want to. Do you want me to rattle off the questions and then we'll address them one by one? Yeah, maybe. That okay. might be easier. All right, this one is from Jude. Hello, Jude. Hey, Jude. Anyway, um, <laughs> hey guys, great podcast. Thank you. So I am almost 100% sure that I am trans, either FTM or non-binary. However, I have a lot of conflicting questions in my head, which I feel are not allowing me to accept that I am trans and be okay enough about it to tell my family and friends and socially slash physically transition. A lot of these are transphobic nonsense that's rambling around inside my head, which I apologize for, and I would never grant the same criticism to others, but I'm judging myself by them nonetheless. I feel you, Jude. That internalized transphobia is real, and that it, it, it's okay. Whew, questions. Let's go. Okay. What even is gender? Many in the LGBTQ plus community say that gender is not how you express yourself through clothing or the roles you have. Anyone of any gender can do slash wear slash be whatever, and that doesn't make them any less male or female or non-binary. So, what is gender? In order to know your gender, you need to understand it? Does being trans point out the difference between men and women? What is the difference? What does it mean to be a man slash woman slash non-binary person? What is the evolutionary purpose? By gay makes sense. <laughs> E.g. bonding same sex. I find it useful personally to understand why. I feel it would help me invalidate myself. That's rude, cat. It won't help. <laughs> Feminism. I'm sorry. Feminism. Why do I want to transition? What has caused this? Why don't I like my body slash being a woman? Is it anti-feminist? If I am trans, no, I know. <laughs> if I am trans, partners, relationships, being attractive. I'm short, 5'4", not good for a guy in terms of being attractive to others. I'm sorry. Um, lastly, in general, the overwhelming feeling that I can't tell my family or friends. There's fear and pure dread. Having to make a fuss a big deal when ideally I would snap my fingers and do it without attracting attention and private questions. Uh, do to do other ideas, choosing your new name, friends, reactions, tips, different job fields, and how to navigate them while being trans, traveling while trans, navigating sex while trans, <laughs> music slash book slash film slash podcasts on transgender topics. Thank you for all of your wonderful ideas, Jude. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely act on some of them. Yeah. So, what even is gender, Cat? What is gender? <laughs> Who's your gender? And how's your gender? <laughs> I, I genuinely think, and, and this is going to sound kind of rude, I guess, the questions like, what is gender? What is, what is, a, what does it mean to be a man or a woman? And what is the definition of purpose? Are sort of not relevant and sort of not really questions that are important or even have real meaning. And I, and I am going to get to the question eventually, but I just want to say, like, so many people ask when they're asking about trans people to say, what does it mean to be a man or a woman? It's like, well... Why is that important to you? Is that important to answering the question? Like that's a different, a whole different question to, that's not actually a trans-based question, if you think about it. Um, so as to me, well, you can see, you know that genders, gender is related to sex for the most part. And um, gender tends to be expressed in either male, female, or somewhere in between or not. And in the most of the population, gender seems to be divided into male or female, although that's not the case at all of the th all of it. And it is, and it seems to be a product of your brain, the way your brain is constructed when you're developing. Um, most of the time it match, most of the time the, your, your gender, which um, is identified by 
your brain and your brain just apparently decides it because that's how biology works biology is stupid and makes mistakes um most of the time it does it matches um the the your parts and so most people who identify as female are born with vaginas and ovaries and stuff and vice versa um this isn't always the case because humans are complicated and the way that we develop isn't always um in a way that makes it life easy for us so what I mean, like that's that's basically the boiled down version of it. Is is, gen as like most of the time, gender is the same thing as your physical sex characteristics, because that's the majority of the population. Sometimes it isn't because the brains developed differently, just the same way that, um, you know, sometimes sometimes men aren't always attracted to to women and women aren't always attracted to men. You know, it's it's a similar process in developmentally, as far as I understand it, and as far as the science I've seen agrees with me. Um. Yeah, I don't know if that's a too wishy. I feel like I need to like I suppose put a big point on that, <laughs> but I think I said everything I wanted to say from it, and then didn't come to a conclusion. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so you're saying that there's sort of this arbitrary litmus test that people try to put on the concept of what it means to be insert gender here. Yeah, well, I know people always ask like, "What does it mean to be a woman?" And it's like, "Well, what does that question mean?" Yeah, like, that, I agree that it's sort of a nonsensical question in the first place. Like, what do you mean? What does it mean to be? I just am one. Like, like it's that, that's like it comes to completely like like you could answer anything. It's like an essay question for an like an English test. Like, yeah. what does it mean to be a builder? Like, what does it mean to be a dog? Like, well, <laughs> okay. To be fair, I I would like to say that I think that this comes from the. I I think that this is very. I don't know how to... It's, it's it's cis-normative. Because people think, like, oh, to be a man is to be male. To be a woman is to be female. So it's like, well, what does it mean to be a man or a woman if we are disengaging them from these seemingly more real physical constructs? And Sure, but I think that's really putting the onus on the social stuff. And as a biologist, I sort of resent that. Well, yeah, I, that I'm just saying, like, this is how human beings are. Like, that that is where this question is coming from. So you have to then present something else as a stand-in because otherwise people are like, well, then you get the trans women are women because trans women are women thing going in a circle, you know, like where they feel validated uh, in being like, oh, well, this is just nothing if you can't give them a seemingly equally concrete answer as biological sex. But the thing is, I feel like like it is concrete if you actually care about the science. Like, the way that your brain structures work is a concrete biological definition. Mm-hmm. It's that people don't tend to accept that. It's like a lot of people tend to accept that, like, people are mentally ill. Or people don't accept that people are gay. Like, it's one of these True. things. Like, they're like, oh, it's in it's in your brain, therefore I can't... Therefore it's not just, like, a broken arm. They can't go up and see that you are... They can go up and see that someone's arm is broken. But they can't see if you have depression. They can't see if you're... They can't see your gender identity because it's in your head. And yeah. it doesn't mean you get any less biological because the brain is part of biology. And we have this weird double standard that parts of the, that when the brain is acting differently, that then that's, that's not valid just because we can't see it with our eyes. Like we know that people get headaches. We know that migraines exist, even though like, you don't see physically what happens when you get a migraine. Um, but no one disputes the fact that migraines are real. Yeah, and this I don't is a strange disagree. way to explain that. Yeah, but I... So I don't choose the term woman because I look at women and go, oh, that's me. But like, I mean, I sort of do. But like, <laughs> it doesn't, I don't, I don't like, it doesn't mean something to me to be a woman. I just, you, you know, you work out throughout your life, you feel yourself engaging with this and you feel this dissonance when you're being described as a man. And growing up, going through male puberty, I, I felt that disconnect and the horror of it. And you realize, when you realize what's going on and you try and do the opposite process, that is fulfilling, that's the answer, is that you have this biological programming that is saying, I, I am this. And it just doesn't happen to be what you're, the pathway that your body's taking you down, which is unfortunate because most people do. And I think it's a bit reductionist to ask a question like that. Yeah. For me, the proof is in people's willingness to change themselves. Like, people's willingness to go through this bullshit is kind of what proves that they are who they are. Because, I mean, I, and I'm not going to say I don't want that to turn into people who are in the closet aren't really trans or anything like that. Like, I, that is not what I mean to imply. What I mean to yeah. say is that the fact that people are willing to go through this means that there is something very real happening in their brain that 
absolutely needs to be fixed in another sense so that they can feel comfortable with themselves. Like, I feel like this should be enough information for people to I feel agree. that this, you know, that this is real. But when presented with that information, they're just like, oh, you're so mentally ill that you had to mutilate yourself in order to match your sick, you know, your sick perception of reality to, you know, what's actually tangible. I don't know. Yeah. That's what just really pissed me off about some of these, uh, some about some people's arguments is that you really get these people that are genuinely think they know better than every single specialist in this field because they have a feeling. And so I can say, I can go on Reddit and I can say, look, I spent two years trying to convince psychologists that this was me. And then they finally agreed. After that, they were very careful, giving me hormones that wouldn't overprescribe me. It took me years to get on the right dosage. And they're like, oh, well, I don't believe you because I have this feeling that you're just a bit mentally ill. And if we tried a bit harder, we could get rid of the dysphoria with like a, with a, with a medication. Yeah, that's the medication called fucking estrogen. Mm-hmm. I've looked it up and I'm taking it. Like, they just, people feel like, they feel like it's wrong and therefore they feel like the science must back them up and they don't care when it doesn't. Like, yeah. so, so, Jude, that when people are saying that, like, you express yourself through clothing and stuff, that's not what gender is. That's, those are gender roles and you can mix them up. You can, I know trans guys who dress very femme and, like, they like enjoying wearing women's clothes and wearing makeup and that doesn't, that doesn't make them any less male. Just doesn't make them any less male, like, to be a, so, like, a drag queen who is cis and very firmly cis. They, they do not become trans because they like dressing up in women's clothes and putting on a show and being flamboyant. That's because we've ascribed these qualities to a gender through our society and through, two, through thousands of years of um, coding of what it means to be male and female, which I guess is what the question comes back to. Because if to what, what it means to be a man and a woman is hard-coded on our society, and when you shake this up, people do have that question, but... The straight answer is really that man and woman and non-binary are very like basic things to be. They don't have a lot of hard coding meaning apart from you being comfortable in your body, and then you, the rest is up to you. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I guess on a slightly more positive note on this, like everybody, there are like seven point eight billion different definitions of what a gender is because every single person feels differently about their gender and how they express it and how they embody it. And there is no right or wrong way to do it. It's nebulous. It depends on your culture. It depends on your family. Um, you know, uh, religious differences can cause differences in gender expression. Like all of these different things are contributing to what a gender means in a, in a given context. So my advice, I guess, like, before we move on to some of these other questions is that like you don't need to necessarily have a backdrop of someone else's expectations to color yours of what your gender is you are okay like identifying however you want to identify just because it makes you feel better if it makes you feel bad to be identified as a man or a woman then you can just be non-binary because it feels better that's perfectly acceptable like it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that yeah, it shouldn't be a complicated issue because part of it is that it's straightforward. That's why it's so compelling. Yes. Like, if it was hard to figure out, then no one would be transitioning because they'd still be, like, working out, like, oh, is this really who I am, though? Like, the need is so strong in a lot of us that you can really feel it. Mm-hmm. As for, I really want to get onto this evolution thing. Well, um, okay, I, hold on, because I want to I wanna get to this first question, the question before that. Okay. Really briefly, really briefly first. And I don't really know what you have to go on about this evolution thing, but right. that's okay. Um. I, I just yeah. so this one basically is asking is being trans reinforcing gender stereotypes b- for the binary like is that essentially to you what it sort of looks like oh is that what the question means okay like does um, being trans point out the differences between men and women to me sounds like is this just a way of reinforcing stereotypes which it is um, not and i dealt no. with this like how like what is what is the difference between you know, just trying to embody, or what is the difference between rejecting feminine stereotypes and rejecting being a woman? And like, the answer is that there was a an alternate universe that existed where I realized that you could be a tomboyish woman and was okay with that and went on being a woman. And then there was this universe where I had that realization and continued to feel terrible about the idea of growing up to be a tomboyish woman. So that that's yeah. the difference. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like maybe this comes from a lot of the resentment in, especially the lesbian community, about where have all the butchers gone? Mm. 
when people get very upset that like they're like oh the trans people are get the trans agendas taking away all our butch women i'm i'm really into butch women and now they're all guys i'm just like why are you resentful of that if you want you want to be with someone who's miserable right i mean the butch women exist i mean like if you if you if you're if you're like looking like oh where are all the butch women like if they if they're they're there the people you were looking for that are gone were never butch women to start with mm-hmm. and maybe part of the problem is on you for not being open to dating non-binary people because i'm sure there's a lot of non-binary people that still female-bodied and aren't transitioning who are going to have the same they're going to come with their own baggage sure but if really what you're looking for is gender non-conforming people then maybe you're limiting yourself a little bit um but i get that i mean i'm sitting here in flannel hoodie and jeans i'm not in a big pretty dress or anything i know trans guys who are very who are very feminine like, you don't have to conform to gender roles to be trans, even though lots of people do. But I think even with the ones that go really overboard, I mean, a lot of it is just them trying to overcompensate and sometimes they settle back down. But no one give people... The thing is that people give... We give um, cis girls shit for being too girly and we give cis girls shit for being too butch. And I think this is a lot of part of just being part of a community that already has baggage. So you, people can tell you you're doing femininity wrong. People can tell you you're doing masculinity wrong, because they ha- we ha- because we have this patriarch, we have this idea of how genders are supposed to act, and I think this is how this plays out in asking like when trans people transition, you're always gonna be under scrutiny for acting too much like some version of a man or a woman, and this falls back on sociology and sort of uh, prejudices about how what's the right way to be a man or a woman rather than the trans people and how they're acting, in my opinion. This is true. I don't really have anything to add to that, so I will let you go on evolution. <laughs> uh, so I, I, what I wanted to say is that you don't need to have an evolutionary purpose to everything. Not everything that exists in, our, in the world as a result of biology is driven by evolution. Evolution only has to act enough so that species survive. Some stuff comes up by accident. Some stuff is secondary. Like, humans didn't evolve chins. We have chins because our face went backwards and, like, <laughs> and it stayed forwards. Like we didn't evolve a chin for a purpose. We have a chin because we got we have a weird sunken face. The chin serves no purpose. At the same time, and this is a lot of the art problem people have with um, evolutionary psychology in general, is that it's really compelling to try and come up with an evolutionary reason for every behavior we have. But we don't need it. If it's a behavior that like led to our survival, sure, it can be selected for. But there's so many behaviors in the human mind. Not everything we have and not every part of us is driven by evolution. And, you know, like creatures come on, like not, not everything's fine tuned. If we were all perfectly adapted for our environment, um, I guess perfectly adapted is, is another thing. Cause we don't have to, you only have to be like strong enough to survive. You don't have to be the strongest ever when nobody's the Hulk, you know, like if you really want to be the strongest, you don't need to be, like, made of metal. You don't need to be, like, invincible as a species to survive. You just need to be strong enough to have sex. Like, it's really not... It's really just that simple. Um, and I really don't know if there's an evolutionary purpose... I really don't think there's an evolutionary purpose to L- any LGBT identity. I think it's a side effect of the way that our... That, um, our, bra- our brains are organised and the way that our bodies form. There are, LG- there are, there are LGBT um, animals too. Well, LGB at least. We don't know about and i wouldn't well, want to think because that'd be hard to figure out well there, um, there's I, no there's no like necessarily identifying things but there are like female lions who will grow manes and begin uh taking on a male role in their society so like even among mammals this kind of sex change sort of thing can occur so that's a more yeah. social change but it is also biological in that they they grow these manes which yeah typically is not I mean, phenotypically female yeah, and I've had people bring up to me that maybe like there's a, you could argue that maybe gay maybe um, gay people evolved in the population at a certain rate, so that you did not overpopulate and you didn't I've end up like that. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, I think spe- it's it's okay to say that there is no evolutionary purpose to these things. Like I agree yeah, with you. So, I think that that's okay. There is no evolutionary purpose. There doesn't need yeah. to be one. Full stop. <laughs> exactly. Like I think about that, and I think like oh, so the population is going over, and so they have like some people that aren't that are not doing it, so that they go backwards. I mean that can work, but I mean it's just as easy usually to just go to like have too many of them, and then some of them get killed. Like it's not going to help you as an individual. To spread genes that do not propagate you, so that the so that the pack survives. I mean, it can, and group selection as a thing, but I think 
it's just pulling at strings. I think you really are pushing for an explanation at that point, and I think generally it's it's a side effect of our biology rather than a driving force. Not everything we do is to fine tune us to our environment. Yep. And that's me as an as a paleontologist, as someone who whose primary field is evolution, basically. Yeah, you came to the right place with this question. Woo! Okay, Woo. next one we're at the right place as well, I think, really. This is really, really my field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feminism. Why do I want to trans... <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll start employing my voice for cartoon purposes, I suppose. Yeah. So why do I want to transition? What has caused this? And why don't I like my body slash being a woman? Is it anti-feminist? So I don't, I guess I don't know if this is an easier question for me to, I suppose this might be an easier question for me to answer because I had to deal with this. Uh, This idea of like, am I just anti-woman somehow in that I don't want to be one? But it took a while of thinking about it and, and, you know, observing any internal biases that I had and recognizing that I did have some internal biases about women. But it wasn't like, uh, fucking women. Like, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like, I can't be a woman. You know, it was more like, I mean, I've got my issues with women as a group, as I do with all people as a group, because we all have hangups. But, like, there's nothing wrong with being a woman. I just really don't feel like that's right for me. I kind of want to die a little bit when I think about trying to be one. So it just is not for me. Like, I think that this is the, this is, again, this is the crux issue that makes being trans different from just being, like, generically gender nonconforming, is, like, there is no, there is no why that I can give you for why you want to transition. There is just a feeling that you have that is telling you what is right for your body and what's not. Like, there is this idea that we have a brain-body map that, as trans people, is unique to us and just as real as anyone else's, so we can experience phantom limb with regards to, like, genitals and stuff like that, and, you know, it's not, it's not anything that I can tell you, like, why? I, like, I don't know why, I just do feel this way, so it's like, I can't, I can't explain this to you, dear listener. (laughs) It's not anti-feminist. As long as you know that you're not taking any anti-female baggage into your transition, this is fine. It is possible, however, to be trans- uh, to be a trans man and to be a misogynist shitbag because I've seen this before and I don't understand it and you just need to make sure that you're not taking any of that baggage around with you because if you start to inhabit a masculine role in society, you will wield that like a fucking club and you don't want that for yourself. That's the yeah, only anti-feminist was, thing about trans. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to bring that up because I'm like I've met a, tra- a trans guy and I've seen a lot of trans guys online that basically turn to MRAs and sort of turn their like resentment at having grown up being told they're women into hatred for women and I don't yeah. understand how you can do that and it's fucking real. So as if you are aware of feminism and you're aware that you don't want to be anti-feminist, then I hope you'll be fine. But there are a lot. Of, there are trans guys. There are a subsection of trans guys that do do this. I'm sure then they're also like probably trans women that are anti-feminist too. But it does hurt to see that. And don't do that, kids. I don't understand how someone can go through transition and still be anti-feminist. I don't like, get it you've... either. <laughs> <laughs> You're a gender minority forever now. Like fucking... right? Yeah. Um, it is possible to distance yourself from women and womanhood without taking women down a peg exactly this is you know like it's one thing to be like i this is not me and i'm shitting on this as a generic practice because that just leads to you shitting on your fellow trans men who may still like to wear makeup like if you're shitting all over women for doing these things then you're also shitting on people in your own community and this is just not good and you're just making things harder for women trans and cis alike so don't do that but aside from that like really aside from that that is the that is the only thing that might be anti-feminist about your transition and it's okay to not like the female aspects of your body without um you know creating creating more problems for people yeah so yeah uh what's next the next question, question? <laughs> yeah it's about being tall i was i was just thinking that maybe that's not a one that you could answer in terms of being short. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, um, yes, yeah, if I am trans, partner's relationship being attractive, I'm short 5'4". 
not good for a guy in terms of being attracted to others. I guess the question is, is it going to hinder me? And the answer is yes, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you, it, you can we can tell you as much as we can that, like, being short doesn't matter so much, and the shortness isn't so much the problem as, you, you know, people are going to be, some people are going to be shitty about you being trans, and it's going to be harder today, and that just sucks. And yeah. that's the way it is, unfortunately. I mean, some people are cool with it, some people are really cool with it, but, like, some people really aren't. And unfortunately, I guess the thing, the bright side is that you wouldn't want those people in your dating pool anyway, but yeah. it comes harder and harder because they're actually quite a large proportion of your dating pool a lot of the time. Yeah, women are very weird about this. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess, dear listener, if you identify as non-binary, this is a little bit simpler. Well, simpler and not simpler. So the the tallness aspect is simpler for you because you're already needing to date people who are uh bisexual or pansexual or queer so you're already dating people who have flexible dating preferences if you're non-binary but if you're like five four and you're trying to market yourself just like any of the other guys on like okay cupid and you're trying to appeal to straight women you're not going to have a good time and this is something that cis guys who are short have to deal with too like don't oh yeah like, it's not just you <laughs> um oh. but having known guys who are short like who are cis as well like it's a difficulty. I've dated a guy who, or not really dated, I just kind of was seeing him casually. Anyway, I was dating a guy who was shorter than me, and I, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of new, but it wasn't, like, bad. So, yeah. yeah. People come <laughs> with their own prejudices, especially in, like, relationships and stuff, and dating is hard, no matter what you do. It's gonna make it harder, and I'm sorry, but we're single, so, you know, that's the way it goes. Well, you're not single. But you're <laughs> I, I am, like, you're the opposite of single. <laughs> yeah. You're actively looking for stuff as well, which is what I mean. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's difficult, but it'll get easier as you get used to it to be to deal with the to get used to the fact that not everyone's going to be into you. And honestly, unless you're super like confident before, you were probably one of these people like I have always been, where you never really thought everyone was into you. So it's probably not much of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> but it depends what your life was like before, I suppose. Fair enough. Yeah. So this last one is going to bring us kind of back around to Christmas in a way. Oh, full circle. Full so circle. Satisfying. Yeah, this was good. Um, <laughs> so our, our dear listener has a feeling of uh, overwhelming fear and dread uh, involving telling family and friends, uh, the idea of having to make a fuss or a big deal, and transition when it would be much easier to just do this quickly and immediately. So what are some feelings that we have on, on how to cope with this sensation that it is just an overwhelming obstacle to tell people? This person hasn't I even think... come out like, or tr no, started yeah. transitioning or anything. I think your instinct is right, listener, and that it is overwhelming and it is a big thing. But I think the way that we deal with big things as humans, because we don't have the processing power to really deal with it, is to turn them into lots of little things. And I think if you can break down your the hard, the really hard parts of transitioning to little steps, I think you'll find it a lot easier to deal with. So maybe you come out to one person who you really trust, and maybe they take it well, you come out to someone else. And when you're used to telling people, then you can come out to family and do it at a time when you're comfortable and when you'll know you're not going to be trapped in them if they're going to treat you badly. Or, if, or you're going to have a place to be able to go if something goes wrong or you have an argument or you get frustrated. And make it easy for yourself and make it small. And the more of these small steps you do, the you can make bigger steps that feel like small steps. And I feel like, so changing your name is a long process, but it starts with one relatively small step. And getting hormones is very difficult but you can do it through steps and i think the more you break it down the less it'll feel overwhelming and the more it'll be like oh i'll just do this one thing and maybe it'll cause a lot of anxiety maybe it'll be very difficult but if you know the reward's good at the end you can force yourself to do like a minute's worth of work or like an hour's worth of an errand and not spend all day doing something that's harrowing and horrible i would never recommend someone do everything in one go because and as much as you say it would be easier it's sure it's easier in your head but if you had to do this all in one go, I mean, those of us who have anxiety know it's not. That is a recipe for a panic attack. <laughs> this is not good. No, um, what do you think? <laughs> so, 
so I think my general feeling on this is that it's okay to take things at your own pace. And that means that even if you feel like you have this overwhelming feel of, like, dread, it's okay to just not deal with it for a little while. Like, if you're just now, you're almost 100% sure that you're trans, um, it's okay to just need to sit with that for a while before you decide to do anything. Like, if you're almost sure, like, first of all, I would say, get yourself 100% sure. <laughs> and then it's okay to just deal with that for a while. And then, like, tell your best friend. And, like, kind of ease into it. Or, you know, even make a fucking anonymous Tumblr and just tell the internet to just the, just shout it into the void, you know? Like, take it at your own pace. Do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better and to, to deal with these various hurdles in a way that is going to work out for you, in a way that is safe for you and makes you feel comfortable. And like you were saying, just sort of getting into the practice of coming out and, you know, one day you'll be at a point where someone drops the wrong pronoun in conversation and you'll just gently correct them and move on and it won't be a big deal. Like this trans woman who came into my store the other day. I was like, wow, you are a fucking superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you will get there. It's okay. It's okay to just, you know, put it off for a little while. Like, eventually you do have to deal with this, but it's okay to not write this second. <laughs> like, there's just a lot yeah. going on. Yeah, lucky for, lucky for you as well. It's a time, I mean, it's not that lucky, but luck, sort of luckily for you. It's been a few years now since the whole trans issue blew up. So people have started to get used to the idea a little bit. So it's not now where you're gonna have to like explain what trans people are. You might ha you will have to at some point, but you don't wanna people have a base understanding. You're not you're not gonna come out and go, Oh, what does that mean? And they grill you. Most people have a basic understanding and they'll be like, Oh and maybe they'll ask for an understanding afterwards. But it's gonna be a lot less of a head fuck than you have to like explain the literature to them in one big go. Hopefully. Depending on yeah. who your parents are and your family are. Passing familiarity is going to help you out a little bit. I think so. Yeah. And don't let people discourage you if they say, like, oh, you never showed any signs before or things like that. Don't let that stop you if you're still sure about it. Just because they're not sure doesn't mean you shouldn't be sure. They're not in your head. Yeah. You don't have to seek validation for, like, oh, I always knew I was trans since I was four. Like, that is a very, very rare narrative, truly. And the only reason that it's so popular is because trans women used to have to put forth this narrative in order to even get treatment uh, so they could, you know, start living their lives. So that is why that is such a prevalent narrative, and it is a generally uncommon one. So I just want to put that out there as well. If people are like, oh, well, you know, you never you never wore your mother's heels when, like your sister did when she was a baby, like, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the time they pick and choose these things too and maybe there were signs and they're just not choosing not to look at them. Yeah. It's bizarre. They're, ju they're just yeah. trying to make things hard for you. So don't don't yeah. let it hold you back. Exactly. Hopefully we helped you out there. I mean, I know like it's, I was very, I was very, I especially was very critical with a couple of the questions there, but it's because we hear them a lot and I feel like it's, it's better to get that out the way and really sort of address why these aren't helpful questions to be asking yourself because I feel like sometimes we do get wrapped up in the hypotheticals and it will stop us from taking action. And if you feel like you need to take action and yet you're washed up in some sort of question, some question you've seen on the internet or you've been absorbing some horrible Reddit comments like the ones I was getting when I posted on the UK Reddit the other day, mm. you know, it's easy to bog yourself down and keep you from doing it and to prolong your misery if you are miserable. So don't do that. Don't be sad. Any final thoughts on Christmas and questions? Uh, questions. I really, I really like receiving questions. Send us more emails because we really like doing this and you can ask more things other than just trans stuff if you want. Although I can talk about this all day. Um, yeah. Christmas. Uh, I hope that everyone has a lovely one. I don't, I don't know if the episode is going to be out till after Christmas, but if that's the case, then I hope everyone had a lovely Christmas. Hope everyone has a wonderful new year. I hope that your families don't give you too much of a hard time and that, with, with solidarity, we can make it through this holiday season. If you don't have a family to go home to, then know that we love you, and it's going to be okay eventually. It may suck right now, but eventually it'll be okay. So say we all. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Battlestar reference. You, you know my schedule too well. and This will probably be up, like, 
Christmas Day or maybe the day after. We'll see. But if it okay. gets there after, that's I've had a lot. I have I have things planned. So listener, if you get this on Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. It's your treat from me. My present to you. Um, yeah. Please email us more questions at transatlanticpod at gmail.com. We love answering them. They're really interesting to hear. Um, and, and work. To hear the different... Yeah, and work. Um, <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> we, we do thrive on them. And it's because we're also like busy and stuff. And sometimes we struggle to come up with a t- t- question idea until the last minute. It does give us some give us a lot of material to go off and bounce off. Otherwise, we'll end up just doing Power Rangers again. <laughs> I think Power Rangers again. We didn't do Power Rangers. Yeah, to start I was about to say all. we haven't done it yet. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get there, and we'll do more furry podcasts like the last one. <laughs> Even though that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll wrench out. Movie reviews are fun too. So let us know if you enjoyed that, or if you enjoyed the Christmas episode, and comments, questions, concerns, anything like that. Have a wonderful time. Um, our theme song is Runaway by George Gad. He's a good boy. Wish him a Merry Christmas by buying his songs on Bandcamp or listening to him on Spotify um, or SoundCloud or wherever you can find his music. Um, maybe go listen to my brother's music. It's on Sundial on SoundCloud. It's very good. That's S-U-N-D-I-L-E. Um, Patreon.com slash Transatlantic. Um, it, please give us some money. It helps us run the show. It helps keep the show on the air because we're not very rich. Um, patreon.com slash Luxander for luck stuff Ooh. keep them alive and buying food um fit twitter trans ATL podcast <laughs> facebook trans got it got there eventually facebook transatlantic pod it's a lot of credits we're but... gonna have to rotate through these I think <laughs> yeah god my god it hurts to say them all at the same time <laughs> anyway I hope you have a wonderful Christmas listeners a great new year um take care of yourselves and see you in 2018. May Bye. it be better than 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. With the night on your side.